Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Earlier this year, we talked about the collapse of the soft plastics recycling scheme run by Melbourne company Red Cycle. It had been running for a number of years through supermarkets like Coles and Woolworths, but when the company went under, dozens of stockpiles containing tonnes and tonnes of plastic bags and other soft plastics were discovered across the country. Coles and Woolworths, which hadn't been aware of the build-up, volunteered to take responsibility for those stockpiles. But what happens now? Well, a new initiative is being developed with the backing of major food and beverage brands like Nestle, PepsiCo, Kellogg's and Arnott's. Tanya Barden is the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Food and Grocery Council, which is coordinating the National Plastics Recycling Scheme. Tanya, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. So just how big a blow was the collapse of Red Cycle? Look, from a community engagement perspective, it absolutely was a significant disappointment. We had community who had been using that scheme for a number of years, really actively collecting their self-plastics and taking them back to store. From an environmental perspective, only 4% of all of the soft plastics was being collected through that scheme. The other 96% has been going into landfill. You're never going to be able to collect that in that volume through a return to store model. So it's really critical that we're able to develop some larger scale model that can engage and give consumers convenience to be able to really tackle this problem. Okay, so I suppose that the red cycle collapse uh, gives some currency, I suppose, to the National Plastics Recycling Scheme, which of course has been in development for a while. I'm wondering how, like, where, where is that scheme up to? Did the red cycle collapse in a funny way help it only because it made people more aware? So we actually, when I say we, it is Food and Grocery Council representing food, beverage and grocery manufacturers such as those you outlined at the top. We've been working on a broad scheme for soft plastics for three years now because we could see that this um, was a, a big challenge with the amount that was going into landfill. And brand owners have been looking at how they can reduce the need for packaging. They've been looking at alternative forms of packaging to plastic where that's viable. But in a lot of situations, soft plastics is actually a really good solution because it can maintain the integrity, the safety, the quality of the product, and it can do it in a less environmentally harmful way than some alternates. So whether it's paper or whether it is harder plastics, they can often have a bigger environmental footprint through more emissions, more energy, more water and so on. So soft plastics can be a better solution, but there wasn't a whole of life approach for that. We weren't able to create end markets for it because the existing recycling technology in Australia cannot get rid of the contaminants in that material that allows you to get back to the food grade quality that we are regulated to and that we need to achieve. And so if we're going to create circularity where we can actually turn a packaging back into a packaging, we need a new form of technology to be able to process that material. And that's advanced recycling, which can take the material, break it down into oil and essentially build it back up into a new form of plastic packaging. And so we've been stepping in to create a scheme that will allow for a whole new supply chain to be built that essentially becomes a new manufacturing industry that's a circular economy for soft plastic. Okay, so the scheme is all about creating the technology to allow soft plastics to be broken down and reused, is that right? It's about incentivising the creation of that market. So what we're doing is 
developing a scheme where brands and retailers that put soft plastics around their product and the consumer has that then at home, uh, a way for brands to be able to take responsibility and cover the costs associated with that so that the consumer is able to put that into their convenient curbside recycling bin and have that go off through collection sorting and, and a new processing chain. And alongside of that flow of material is a monetary flow where brand owners will pay levies into a scheme and those levies will be used to fund where there's economic gaps in this supply chain. So the reason this market hasn't formed naturally itself is that soft plastic is a very high volume, low value material. So it's been expensive for councils to collect and understandably, they then haven't wanted to face the costs of that. And at the same time, the end markets, as Red Cycle has shown, hasn't been there. So we're solving both ends of that problem by saying we're going to fund the collection of this material and the sorting at the recycling facilities and the shredding and the washing and the pelletizing of that. And then we're also going to, as brands, take responsibility and use the material that's created out the other end of this supply chain. So we have put requirements into the scheme for brands to use the recycled content back into their packaging and they will face penalties, financial penalties, if they don't do that. So once you've got the feedstock sorted and you've got the end market sorted, that provides the incentive for the missing piece in the chain, which is the advanced recyclers. And we know that there are several proponents who are looking at investing in that technology in Australia, as well as globally. Okay, so who's funding this? So presumably, well, the industry to some extent is sounds like it's funding it. Governments are fun, like I know you have federal government support. Local councils, how do they fit in? So we received federal government support for the last couple of years to develop a product stewardship scheme, not to implement it. So when the scheme's up and running, it will be a scheme that is funded by brand owners. And, you know, that is a responsibility that we're really conscious of that, you know, this is a material that we want to be able to keep using as an industry because of its environmental benefits, but we recognise that there is a cost to council. So, you know, any of that incremental cost of being able to collect and sort and process this material, industry will be funding that. Stay with me, Tanya. We'll be back in a minute. My guest today is Tanya Barden, Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Food and Grocery Council. I presume industry and then specific brands within industry are also keen on this idea because they're all trying to get to net zero emissions or at least head towards net zero emissions over the next few decades. Yeah, look, and I'm really pleased to say that you know, what I've seen over the last five years from food and grocery manufacturers is an absolutely huge step change in attitudes and progress on sustainability. And that's across a wide range of areas, recycling and packaging design being just one. But we're also trying to help with, as you say, net zero emissions across the whole supply chain. And so when we look at these issues, we look at what is the whole of life cycle problem here for the product and for the packaging. And we need to make sure that we're optimising both of those. We don't want to create perverse outcomes where we change into different types of packaging or we eliminate packaging to the point where consumers are having to throw out product that becomes stale quicker, that gets Mm. wasted. That has a much bigger environmental footprint and it's something that is not well understood Because people can see and touch and feel their packaging, and you can see that in landfills, people are are very alert to reducing that. 
But people don't see the embedded energy and carbon and water yeah. and transport emissions and agricultural chemicals that have gone into the production of the food and groceries in the first place. And, you know, so if we end up having a loaf of bread where we've had to throw half of it out because it's been in a paper bag and it hasn't kept it as, as fresh, then that actually has a much bigger environmental footprint than having had it in a soft plastic bag to start with. And the CSIRO recently did some analysis around all of this. So we're not saying that, you know, health feather leather, we should just be able to just keep pumping out as much packaging as we can. Absolutely, there's a lot of work going into how do we redesign and minimise the amount of packaging, but we need to recognise that there is an important environmental role that packaging plays and that demonising it just risks creating some other problems that we're going to have to face down the road. Okay, so what does success look like? What are the metrics that you're trying to achieve? So for us, success is having a high level of consumer engagement and uptake. We ran some trials recently across six council areas on this model of consumers putting soft plastics into a yellow bag, into a curbside bin, and they're going into their, their yellow recycling bin. And we found that a third of the people that participated in the trials weren't previously participating in the Red Cycle Return to Store Scheme. So that clearly demonstrates that you can collect more volume by making it really convenient for the consumer. There's there's some committed people who will take their bags into a store, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But our trials show that you can significantly collect more material if you give the, the convenience of being able to put that into the yellow recycling bin. So, you know, that Consumer engagement involvement is absolutely one criteria. Another criteria for us is making sure that we don't cause any unintended consequences for the rest of the recycling system. So the other aspect of our trials is to be able to make sure that there's no contamination of other recycling streams. So the system for recycling separates out glass and paper and aluminium and steel very well, and we don't want to end up with soft plastics going in and contaminating the paper stream and causing problems there. So we're also trying to prove that up. And then we're also looking at, you know, the economics and the cost effectiveness of being able to run the scheme as well. So there's some of the factors that, that we're taking into account. Okay, I've, time is up, but Tanya, I need to ask you, the food and grocery industry has been hit pretty hard by inflationary pressures. Certainly costs are rising, that's what they're saying anyway. I mean, how are your members going? We've had lots of anecdotal evidence, uh, probably less among food uh, and grocery, to be honest, but that the consumers have stopped spending. And I know the big retailers, have, or sorry, the big supermarkets have talked about consumers spending on better value products. Is that what you're, the sense that you're getting? Yeah, it's interesting because I think when you look at the economy, there are pockets within that where you get different responses to inflationary pressure. And so consumers have still been shopping out of home a lot and and still going to cafes and restaurants. And at some point, that will start to pull back and we'll actually see some of that demand go back into supermarkets. But we are also seeing this separation to low value and premium, where some shoppers are absolutely downgrading to private label or cheaper variants of product. But then also consumers are making choices where instead of going to a restaurant or cafe, I want to have something that's indulgent and special at home. And so you do then see some of the premium end of the market actually doing quite well. So it is a bit of a mixed response. Tanya, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you very much for your interest.
That was Tanya Barden, CEO of the Australian Food and Grocery Council. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.